Welcome to the Marketing Intern Spotlight. A marketing intern is a listener who's spreading our message authentically. Hear their story, their passion, and their journey. Enjoy. Ian Deloney, welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Traveling an hour 45 up from Mankato. Commitment. Listen, yeah, that's impressive, man. I don't know if people have driven that far to come on a podcast, so that's that's major commitment. Much respect. Maybe since Brandon. I think Maybe Brandon, Brandon came Brandon. up from Mankato. That's right. Yeah. Brandon did came, come up. So how you doing today, though? I'm doing well, man. It's been a long day, but I'm excited to kind of unwind right now, just talk about life and get to know you guys a little bit more. Absolutely. You just got back from somewhere. Is that correct? Yeah, I've I've been traveling a lot over the last few months. Been in L.A. for a bit. And then I also went to Duluth this last weekend, spent some time also in Chicago recently. So Were you up in Duluth for the uh, the grandmas? I was, yeah. Did you run? No, okay. definitely not. <laughs> Could not do that. You couldn't? No. Uh, I, I would die. I think before I die, I need to run a marathon. It's a good goal. And that's just me. I should try to do that. Are you, have you ran before? Like, you're a runner? Definitely not a runner. Okay. I've ran like a 5K. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's we, about like my peak though. Like turkey <laughs> trot? Yeah. Turkey yeah. trot. Everyone's running the turkey trot. Yeah. If you haven't, you're wrong. You're wrong. So what are you doing up for grandmas? Just capturing content stuff? Or? I was just hanging out with some friends. I okay. So I graduated from Duluth last year. Oh, nice. And I really haven't been back much since then. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to go up and kind of see some old friends. Right on, man. All right. I got a quick question about that because we just graduated a year ago. Nice. How much different of a person are you in that year? very different i would say like so i'm like very i write down everything you do yeah so i have like i'm kind of crazy i have like weekly goals monthly goals three month six month year all that stuff and i was looking back at my goals from last year like right when i was finishing up school and one of my six month goals was like find three clients i think it was because i was freelancing at the time and now I look back, it's like, I can't believe like that was legitimately like my biggest six month goal is to find three clients because like now it's like, I just have way too much coming in that I just have to like turn away so much stuff. So like there's been such a, a switch in the role that I was a year ago till now, which is nice. It's a good, it's a good position to be in, but it's crazy to think about that. That's awesome that you're in that position too, because you were itching to get clients and now clients are itching to get you. So what has been that kind of that evolution? Um, if you don't mind me asking with, uh, and giving our marketing interns a little bit background of what these clients are asking as well. Yeah. So my path up to this point was a little bit interesting and unorthodox, but when I was in school, I didn't go to school actually for design until my third year in. I never even like thought about graphic design until my third year in. Then I heard about this program at Duluth. They only accept t- 15 or 20 people per year. So I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, it's kind of exclusive. Like, I want to try that. So I applied. I got in. And then I just, like, fell in love with graphic design. And then so from there, I knew I wanted to do something within design. But I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. So I just started reaching out. Like, two three years ago, I was reaching out to everyone I could think of. Like, hey, if you ever need help with anything, like, design-wise let me know, like, I'll do it for free, just need to build up a portfolio, like, all that kind of stuff, so I kind of built up a list of people that were, like, would come to me for little things here and there, but nothing really came of it, and then by the time I graduated, these people had, like, been watching me for, like, two, three years, because I told them, like, I'll help you, whatever you need, and then by then, by the time I graduated, then I actually had kind of value to provide, so it kind of just all hit at once, like, they're like, yeah, we need this, 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 and it ranged from like logo design to website design 
social media advertising, like tour posters, album art, like all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of random at first, and now I've honed in a little bit more. But yeah, at first it was kind of just taking on everything I could. Damn. What's it, so what's it like? Uh, what's kind of your favorite sort of project or client to work with? Like a type of client? Is it like a logo redesign? Is it a website? What kind of things are you? I would say at most? this point, I'm getting to the point now where I can actually do things that are more fun rather than just like six months ago. Even I was just doing anything that brought money because I just need to pay the bills. Right. But now that I have a little bit more leverage and I have a name for myself more, I can pick and choose. And I think for me, I'm like most passionate about music. So it's just a big deal to me. So I've done some album arts in the past and like tour posters. And those two are just like my favorite thing to do. Because generally, I understand that there's guidelines to everything. And there's always like certain uh, like requirements that need to happen. Mm-hmm. But I've found that the music industry is usually the most lenient on that. And so it's like those people usually want you to do what you would want to do if you're doing it for fun, you right. know, like they're giving you the, the creativity. Yeah. They Got just it. want you to have creative freedom most of the time. Got it. And I feel like that's when I can produce my best work. And that's a good, good point right there. I, I've talked to people in the past with graphic design and it's gone both ways where they love when companies give them kind of like the A to Z kind of checklist of what their expectations are. And then they can work in within those confines. And then I've seen the other side of the spectrum where if they just give you that thought, then they'll then they love running with that where do you kind of stand within those two kind of perspectives i like that you asked that because i'm like very particular i like as many specifics as i can get like anything that a client wants i want to know like as fast as i can just because i can go from there and cater to their needs like with my creativity whereas people that are like oh yeah i want an album art but they don't have anything in mind for what they want like I could spend 10 hours doing this and then you don't want it. And it's another 10 hours in the other direction. You might not want that either. So I like to have that A to Z breakdown. But then once they give me that, I try to let them know that if I've created freedom within those confines, that's how the best product is going to be produced. Okay. So how did you, um, how'd you get into like learning graphic design, like the Photoshop, Illustrator, Lightroom? How did you was it all like YouTube University? That's what we always typically hear. Or was it more hands-on, like working for clients, that kind of stuff? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, so I went to school for marketing, and then I minored in graphic design. Okay. So I only took, I think, five or six graphic design classes throughout my whole college career. So I really didn't learn that much in school itself. Um, but it did help to get me thinking about projects I can do because all my classes were like, oh, yeah, make a fake album art or make a fake whatever and so from that kind of sparked my interest and I I realized I can just make these prompts myself I can just do this in my free time and do it how I want and develop my skills while also building a portfolio and so generally I would just create a prompt for myself and then if I didn't know how to do something specific I would go on YouTube but I'm not really a person that will just like go on YouTube and like just look for random stuff like I'll go there if I need something specific, but I'd like to try to work things out through myself and kind of find my own way to do it. I like that. So did you know uh, this logo, Back Pocket logo, was designed in a class? Really? We've kept it the same ever since. Annie Vitale. Annie Vitale. What class was it? Marketing intern spotlight number 17. Yeah. She was in, uh, or uh, what class was it? I have no idea. Probably some. It was a graphic design class at St. Kate's, which is the, yeah, you know, St. Kate's, but yeah. uh, yeah, that's pretty much all we know. She came to us one, like, literally it was, what, 
probably six months into the podcast. No, maybe no, more than no, that. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Our first logo was a picture of my oh, butt dude. jeans, and we photoshopped uh, us doing some like funny pose, and we just stuck ourselves in my back pocket, and then it, and then the logo is the back pocket with us on the top. It was actually a really funny. I like logo. that. It's yeah. literal. It was very, very eye catching. I'm sure too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then we, uh, Annie, when she had this class or whatever, came to us and was like, hey, you guys want to do like a logo exploration? We were like, sure, you know, no problem. And so part of the class was like, you got to um, kind of give her some, some guidelines. And then you had to, she came up with nine designs. And so Andrew mm. and I, like, I mean, I suck at Photoshop. I tried it myself <laughs> and like, you know, put out what we got. And then she comes to us like the first time she put these nine different logos together andrew and i just like loved them all we're yeah, the we worst like them clients all. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, funny yeah this isn't gonna happen mm-hmm. but uh that's freaking awesome man so i guess backing up a little bit you said um off air you were saying you've kind of moved around and been around the whole united states kind of or what's kind of your path your your upbringing before you got to duluth yeah so it's an interesting kind of situation so i grew up mostly in the south i was born in texas I ended up living in a couple cities there, but mostly Houston and San Antonio. And then I also lived in Tennessee for a while, a couple cities there, then a couple cities in Arkansas as well, then moved back to San Antonio for most of my childhood from like third grade to uh, ninth grade or 10th grade. And then I moved to Minnesota halfway through high school. Whoa. So by the time I got to Minnesota, I'd already been to like seven schools. What was the reasoning behind moving so much? Parents in the military? Um, No, everyone asked that. But my dad just kind of takes promotions whenever they came up. He would just take a promotion. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I have two brothers and I was like the only one that liked that because I just like new things and I get, I get bored of things pretty easily. So I'm always looking to like move somewhere else or try something new. So I always thought it was awesome. And I think that it really helped me develop a lot as a person. Right on, man. So what aspect do you feel like you draw from most you've lived now lived in here in minnesota for uh eight years probably yeah right around there. right around there um and then texas heavily do you mm-hmm. still feel like you got those roots because i love talking about declan's from denver i'm from chicago and i love bringing those type of just it's it's absolutely a different culture um not in not in severe ways but there's noticeable differences between each other and then minnesotans and obviously people in texas yeah, I think for me, I definitely see both sides. Like my family, all my distant family still lives in Texas for the most part. And so, and I don't have any family in Minnesota besides like my parents. So I kind of pull from both sides and pull what I think is, what I think is valuable. Because I think like down south, I grew up, like I had to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, mm-hmm. sir. Or else like my parents wouldn't talk to me. Like mm-hmm. it was a big deal, just manners and that kind of thing. But there's also things in Minnesota that are people generally are a little bit more polite up here and sometimes passive aggressive. But I feel like I can take like the politeness from up here combined with like the manners from down there and kind of combine them because people up here, when I moved up here and I would say like, yes, ma'am, people did not like that up here. Like I, I had teachers that were like don't ever say that again. They think it's almost like sarcastic. They thought it was sarcastic. They're like, no, like it sounds like you're mocking us. Like it's insulting. So I kind of had like a culture shock when I moved here, but now that I've seen both sides and kind of got adapted, I feel like I can take what I think is beneficial from this culture and kind of mesh it with what I find beneficial from the South. Yep. I feel the same way. My parent, my mom is from Atlanta, Georgia. So whenever I travel down there for Thanksgiving and whatnot, it's the same way. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Yes, sir. And, uh, you, 
it's really funny. My uh, my aunt and uncle will call like each other like dolls and like all those funny little twang yeah. things. Like every all those like stereotype wordage yeah. is absolutely true. Did you have a twang <laughs> at any at any point? Um, I did when I first moved to Minnesota. I didn't notice it, but apparently I had like a pretty big accent. <laughs> Which I mean, I still say y'all, but that's a that's like the only southern thing I still okay. say. But yeah, I never noticed it, but I, I think I grew out of it pretty quickly. Okay, I got another good question for you. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? This is so funny you asked that because this sounds crazy. The first thing I ever wanted to be, like no lie, was a like a philosopher, basically. <laughs> Yo, what? Like, a, so I wanted to be like a motivational speaker, but not like a hype. Like I don't, I'm not a very like aggressive person, so I'm not like super hype about everything but from a young age like i've always been interested in like the deeper meaning behind like everything and so like when i was 12 around there i started thinking about what i'd want to do in life and i was like obsessed with alan watts he's like a philosopher oh yeah yeah i used to just sit on youtube and just listen to alan watts like all day and i didn't really think about the practicality of it back then i just thought this is really cool like this guy's making me explore parts of my mind that i never knew existed you know and that kind of like really really inspired me from the start but then from there i kind of like found more realistic routes and i wanted to be a photographer for a bit but still didn't find that to be too realistic so going into college i didn't really know what i actually wanted to do i knew that i wanted to be somewhat involved in business but as i said i didn't get into design until halfway through so do you think the um the philosophy kind of uh, curiosity sp- kind of ignited the fire to do things creatively and to follow things that you cared about because that's a lot of what philosophy is is having that deeper root and the meaning and the motivation to pursue a, a fulfilled life so is that kind of like do you see that kind of path transitioning 100 percent. like i mm-hmm. honestly attribute almost everything in my life that's like good to those days where i was like thinking so deeply about everything when i was like 12 what kind of questions were you ask yourself? I just want, I just can imagine you like in your room, like, ah, what is life? What is water? What? Yeah. What there's, is water? There's nothing like very specific that I like remember blatantly, but I do remember just thinking about like, if I did die tomorrow, like what, like, will I be happy with what happened? You know? And that's like the most, I think the most inspiring quote for my life is just don't die wondering. Because when I first read that, I was just hit so hard by it. Cause when I read it at the time, I literally thought to myself, if I die tomorrow, there's so many things that I would have no idea, like that I want to know about, but I haven't pursued. Mm. And so like those initial thoughts of like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, I think everyone has a purpose and I think everyone's meant to do something specifically. And so when, back then, those, those were the kind of questions I was thinking about. Like, wow. what am I meant to do? what can I do that's going to impact people like further than just like go work at a job, like at a cubicle. Right. Wow. That's great. I just love that. That's like the perspective that you had. One of my favorite quotes is uh, from Confucius. Every man has two lives, except when you realize you only have one or something like that. What do you know what it is? It's like everyone lives two lives. And the second one starts when you realize you only have one. There you go. Something like that. Yeah. I love that quote. It's a great quote, but I, it's weird how like, how uh, fate works in that situation or in, in life. And yeah. when you have grandparents die or your dog passes away or, you know, as horrible it is, but like suicide and you see all these things around you, it, it's always a, I mean, as sad as it is, it's always a great reminder. Like 
it can disappear in a heartbeat. So what like it helps you just look inward and like, what am I actually doing right now? And how am I utilizing my time? Yeah. And that for me is like, so I grew up mostly in San Antonio, as I said, Mm -hmm. San Antonio is just not a good area. Like very close to Mexico. Like there's so much crime there. Just go Spurs though. Right. Go Spurs. Love the Spurs. (laughs) Those like, that's the only like connection I really have with sports. Like I love sports because I got so into the Spurs at first. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so from an early age, like I saw like kind of the dark sides of some parts of life. And that's at the same time where I started to understand more like philosophy stuff and kind of pair those two things together. Like how can I, like even if this life is not perfect all the time, like mentally you can still live a good life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like despite your circumstances or what you're dealing with, if you have a good conversation with yourself and you're in a good mental state, then that life can be totally different. And that for me is like I realized that at a young age and it like changed my life. Like I don't know when the first time it happened, but like I started thinking about deep stuff like that in like middle school and it like changed everything. Dude, you, crazy. you still have that, that philosophy path, I think, is still in your repertoire. You could definitely pursue that in some sort of fashion, whether it's speaking to, like, younger students about your kind of experience. or Yeah, and that's something, like, as of the, the last couple months, I've started to think about that because, like, we all know Gary Vaynerchuk. He, when I, I went through, like, a plateau kind of, like, through high school and then, like, going into college, I kind of sp- went back up again in a sense of, like, my purpose and like my passion and Gary V initially sparked that cause he kind of kicked me into gear. And like now I, I haven't even watched Gary V video in like probably a year. Same. Cause like he got me out of that stage and like, that's what I needed him for. And now I just don't need that right now. But I think that he has made positivity like a cool thing and it's still like in the works, but I think generally people now that they like, they want to hustle. They want to be positive. They want to be like nice And so I kind of want to do that, but like with philosophy in a sense, like not necessarily make philosophy cool, but make people like think deeper about life, you know, because like when I just said that was my first dream job, like everyone laughs and like, it is funny. Like it's such a weird thing to think about at that age, but I don't think it should be a weird thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like why should it be to think about your life? Like that's when you're most developing. And I feel like it makes most sense to think about it then. So you kind of have that foundation, like, so then when you go into real life issues, you've already sorted out that stuff that's like in your head. Those like moral complexes that yeah. you don't typically deal with when you're like 12. But if you're, <laughs> if you think about it though, if before thinking... life hits you, yeah. then you don't have to deal with personal stuff and real life stuff. Yeah. You only have to deal with the real life stuff. Oh mm-hmm. man. That's and I feel like that's like been tremendously helpful for me. Hey Andy, are you ever going to get an ad read right on the first try? You know, I think I'm just trying too hard, and I just got to relax. Andy, serious. Come on, dude. That's who you are. We're talking back pocket, and we're talking visionary manufacturing with custom apparel for you. Bingo. Let's just cut to the chase, big boy. Invest in your dreams. Manifest that custom apparel, that custom idea that's been weighing on your mind for months, years, however long, and create with Visionary Manufacturing. Hit us up today to book a custom order at backpocket at visionarymfg.com. That's B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T at visionarymfg.com. That's awesome. I love the point you brought up about like Gary Vee. He's so, uh, he speaks to such a specific demographic and the demographic is more 
a uh, a time set in someone's life, and you could be forty and be feel lost, or you can feel, or you can be nineteen and mm-hmm. feel lost. Gary's going to be one of those guys that can help you like take that next step. Do you draw any inspiration, or do you know of like a Jordan Peterson who is a philosopher who does kind of unpack these moral concepts, or maybe like Sam Harris? Do you draw any, or do you listen or tune into any of those guys? I've definitely listened to Jordan Peterson. For me, I just feel like some of those guys just have like I'm not going to say like other agendas, but I feel like they're pushing certain things that they want to like, not necessarily profit off of, mm. but that's like why I loved Alan Watts so much back when I was younger is because he was just speaking like he, he wasn't selling anything, you know, like he's not selling a book. He's not selling keynotes. Like, right. and I feel like nowadays, like a modern philosopher is like, how can I book these gigs? How can I sell this, sell that? And that for me, like, I just don't vibe with that. So if I'm listening to like philosophy kind of stuff, it's more of like the classic kind of people. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and you're mentioning stuff in the, in, the, in the classics where it was like brand awareness almost. It was bringing mm-hmm. light to these type of thoughts and mindsets. And I'm curious on your thoughts on um, bringing graphic design and philosophy and, and passing along a message and, and how much have you played into that already? Yeah, that's something that I try to experiment with a lot. Um, so right now I've just been really busy with like actual work and haven't had as much time for just creative freedom as I'd like. But um, one of the most impactful kind of design series I've did in the past was it's all revolving around social media. And so it was like a, a, I think it was six pieces, but like one of them was some guy like dragging like a huge Instagram icon behind him, like slaving, like dragging this thing. And the whole intention behind that is to, to spark that conversation of you see like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like, Oh wait, it's an Instagram icon that's like double the size of this guy and he's dragging it like working super hard to keep up with it and then it kind of starts like that that spiral of thoughts like oh maybe I like put this much work into social media and I feel like those kind of ideas where you start to think past like the visual aspect that's something that I really want to really want to play into but for me I've realized that it's pretty difficult not to be like cheesy about it because like a lot of my designs that have like text in it or like any kind of typography, I like to use words like passion or like drive or just something. Tranquility. Yeah. Something that's like deep, you know, like something yeah. that's philosophical and has a true meaning, but like that's so, it has such a bad rep nowadays, you it's know, it's gotten saturated. It has, it's gotten corny. Mm-hmm. And so my biggest struggle is combining that philosophy with my design skills and an authentic way yeah i think uh apple does a pretty good job with trying to bring out a a deeper message behind uh, they, they're really good at just on un- unveiling and promoting what their why is i mm-hmm. think but one of my favorite commercial series kind of that they've done in the past is where it's a uh it's just black and white photos and it shows different people using max and then that it's like literally a minute and then it flashes the logo at the end i was like yeah that is so genius yeah it's so genius that they're just using simple black and white photos to show like the different impacts that their brand makes on people yeah it's it, i just that kind of creativity but that kind of just outside the box thinking because i know what you're getting at it's like let's try and let's let's not make it overly like world war ii propaganda like social yeah. media stuff but yeah let's try and look deeper and try and make it obvious still to the point where people can look at that and spark the conversation that you're intending for yeah and that's the thing like another another design i did in the past 
it was mainly like text based and it said what would you do if happiness was the only currency and I had so many people hit me up because they like it was the first time they thought about that which I think is kind of sad I mean I think people should think about that way before they're like in their adulthood but I realize that people don't do that all the time so it's I feel like it's like a calling of mine almost to to make people have those conversations with themselves because I don't want to be a person that's like I like talking to people but I don't want to make this conversation happen by me saying something to you I want to make art that you see on your own and you start that conversation with yourself because that's like a whole nother thing because that's when you're like there's no filtering there you know like every thought you have like it's just you and so you're thinking about the deepest most real things without any kind of like you're not covering anything up you're not saying what someone wants to hear like that's just your authentic feelings and so i want to bring that out in people through my work which is hard to do yes that's (laughs) hard to do that's a killer drive and i love that you've set your mindset on that I feel like street art has kind of played a little bit in that essence as well, where like guys like Banksy have like um, tried to drive home those types of messages of challenging people in the way they think when they see things. Yeah. And that he's a huge inspiration of mine. And I think I like that I'm inspired by him because I want to do something completely different than him. But he has definitely paved the way for that kind of like it's art that just is visually appealing. But then you look into it. And it's like a whole nother thing. Like you'd see a whole nother side of it that you wouldn't have noticed upon a first glance. So that's, that's the part of him that I definitely draw inspiration from. Right on. That's super cool. God, I, I just want to keep talking about this as wild. I'm trying to think of just like ideas or different. Have you, I mean, do you have any sort of projects that you're working on that would sort of get at what you're going for right now? Well, or is there a topic, I guess, that you're trying to draw out of someone or. Yeah. So actually I'm, I've, I started another part of that series for the technology thing, like revolving Mm -hmm. around social media. So like the first couple were like, one of them was like a graveyard and had like keyboard keys in the graveyard, like a delete key and like enter key, all this stuff. Another one was like a fire extinguisher glass box with an iPhone in it that said like break, I forgot what it said, like break in need of an escape or like something like that. Right. So I've, I've extended that series to do another piece of it. And so this one, I have all the ideas laid out. I'm just still kind of like perfecting it all. So one of them is a slot machine, but it's all like social media notifications. So it's like retweet, like a new follower, a new direct message, just playing off that idea of how addicting and how like, how much of a game it all is, you know, but how much we're all tied into it mm-hmm. and how much we want to still be tied into it, even though we kind of know that it's not good for you just as like gambling like no one thinks gambling is good for you but people that gamble are not gonna probably stop unless they have a real reason to stop you know Mm -hmm. so then there's one of those pieces and then another one is a guy laying on a hospital bed hooked up to an iv but it's an iphone and like the charger cables like going into his arm so that's just like that's a little bit more literal yeah Mm -hmm. but it's like i even resonate with that like I think we all kind of live and die by our phone at this point, like on my phone way too much. And so the last one is a female looking in a mirror and she has band-aids on her face covering up acne or whatever. And they have like social media icons on them. So it's like a Facebook band-aid, Snapchat band-aid, Instagram band-aid just to play the fact of like, 
trying to cover up insecurities and trying to be something you're not through these platforms. Mm. So those are all kind of, they're not as much about life, but more about where we are right now as mm-hmm. humanity and kind of like the issues that they're being talked about a little bit more now, but they're still kind of going, getting pushed under the rug, you know? Yeah. Cause I feel like that's, they have a big impact on us, but we're kind of just like, Oh, it's fine. Like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I'm the same way. I'm, I know that I'm on my phone. It tells me how much I'm on my phone yeah. every day. Like three hours and 40 minutes is my screen time. And yeah. I know that like I'm scrolling and I'm trying to do things here and there with, you know, it's honestly all for the podcast, but yeah, there's, I just feel like there's so much wasted time there and I know it, but I still do it because I'm, I'm yeah. just like wired to it. I don't know. It's it. the thing sucks. is though, cause like obviously I work at a social media agency, so yeah. I see both sides of it with, and I'm sure we'll find out through discussions, but I see both sides of like every situation, which can be a weakness at sometimes because it's hard for me to pick a side. But like with social media, I feel like it's just about being conscious about what you're using it for. Because mm. like every big time gig I've gotten, 100% every single one has come from Instagram, without a doubt. Like worked for Gary Vaynerchuk, did work for Floyd Mayweather, did work for Young and Reckless, working with Beyonce's filmer right now. Every one of those is through Instagram. And like without it, I wouldn't have any of that. But I've used Instagram to connect with people more than I have like scroll through my feed. Yes. And I'll like me and Brandon, like we will send seriously like hundreds. Like I personally send probably 200 DMS a week, like to just random people that I think that I can provide value to. And it's not like a copy and paste, like go to my website or like something like that. It's, it's very personal to them. Like, Hey, I love what you're doing. I'm inspired by you, but it's all genuine. You know, I'm not saying like, to someone I don't care about, I'm not saying they inspire me. Mm-hmm. So I reach out to as many people as I know that inspire me and just say like, Hey, if there's ever a situation where we can collaborate, I can help you with design or whatever it may be. Like don't hesitate to reach out. And I feel like that, that's a good way to use social media because that's not just looking through your feed, like being self-conscious about yourself. It's reaching out and using your resources to help other people, but to also help yourself. And I feel like there's a big difference between like, and I have social media limits on my phone. Like I have my stuff like blocked off for like most of the day because it's hard for me to draw that line sometimes because I'll go to DM someone and then I'll just scroll through the feed and I get like trapped in there. I get like so mad at myself when I go on my, I get a notification, I go to my DMS and I, you know, respond or do whatever I have to do. And then like, I'll catch myself and I'm already like in stories or I'm on a different app or it's. Yeah, it's bad. So I'm trying to kind of raise like awareness about that, but it goes both ways. Cause like I said, like I'm not against social media, like social media has hundred percent changed my life for the better, but there's always a negative, like there's always a downfall to everything, you know? So I want to kind of spread the word in like a more cool way. Cause that's the thing through art. Like I want people to like my art because it looks cool. But then like once they look at it, then they start to think deeper about it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, all right, that's not just looks cool. Like that actually impacted me internally. So I try to always make everything personal art. I do just like deep, like that's, I just love everything. That's like deep. Mm-hmm. Where do you f- want people to find your art? Like, um, 
that medium most for uh, and I'm, I phrase the question because a lot of your messaging is targeted towards social media usage and I'm just picturing it being on social media mm-hmm. so I'm curious if you have an intention of like where you want uh, people to capture these these uh, artistic pieces specifically for pieces like that it sounds kind of contradictory but I like that it's on social media because you're scrolling then you see it and you're like you see this guy with an iPhone hooked up to his arm like an IV and you're looking at your phone while you're looking at that and you resonate immediately. I don't care who you are. Like I couldn't name one person that I personally know in this world that is not more attached to their phone than they should be, myself included. And so when it's on social media and it's talking about the downfalls of social media, I think it hits different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like it wouldn't have as big of an impact if it was on a poster because if you're walking down the street and not on your phone and you see this poster about social media, you probably will just think it's kind of like dumb. You yep. know, you're like, oh, roll your eyes. Walk yeah, like, that doesn't make sense. Like, whereas you're on your phone, you're like, I'm like guilty of this right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it makes people have those thoughts immediately. Because mm-hmm. that's my overall goal is to have people think those thoughts. Right on. Not yep. roll their eyes, not just look past it. And then I love how you flip it on its head and you explain how it is utilized in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And we have done the same thing with utilizing the DMs. It's the new email because honestly, email gets saturated with um, spam stuff that you're not going to check intently when you're going on there. You're not looking for someone that's going to reach out to you and leave you an awesome message. But for some reason right now, like LinkedIn has that ability. Instagram has that ability heavily. Um, Maybe Twitter. We haven't really tried Twitter, but we're not it, big enough on Twitter to know. To know, yeah, I don't even have Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, when we do it on Instagram, there's always great value when you have that intention of providing another person with value. Yeah, and that's it. Goes back to like being authentic with it. Like something this past year, like I'll post like once a month on my story. Like it's like you can post a question, you know, and people can submit their answers yeah. or their questions. I'll say like, how can I provide value to you? How can I help you? And, like, I have to literally put a text on there that says, like, this is 100% serious because people don't even, like, think that I'm being serious about it. They think it's Mm -hmm. kind of just, like, to get messages or something. But every time I post that, probably five to ten people will, like, let me know how I can actually help them. And every time I will – if I can physically do it, like, I will do it every time because it's not for anything other than helping people. But I've just learned, like, if you help people, like – that just comes back when you need it. Like when you least expect it, when you most need it, if you're a good person and genuinely reach out and help people, I believe that that help will come back. It's the art. It's it's the art of the give back. And it's that theory or, you know, belief of reciprocal altruism where you you give, you give without expecting any, anything in return. And that's when you actually get back the most. Yeah. And that's like, that's like probably the biggest thing I've tried to live my life by the past, like, ever since college, like the, my first year of college was kind of pivotal for me as far as my mindset. And like that, what you just said, just providing value without any expectation that combined with just like pursuing your passion. Mm. Those are just the two things I just live by. Yeah. I love that, man. That's freaking awesome. That's, yeah. that's what we're trying to do. I Absolutely. mean, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're doing it. I hope we're inspiring people too, but you're putting that effort though. We're we are. That's exactly. what matters. Exactly. Exactly. That's um, what matters. And you're and we're pursuing our passion, our passion just like you. So you're a year removed from college now, and you're you've been with the Social Butterflies for over a year. I did some freelance work during college for Social Butterfly, and then 
initially when I graduated, I was just freelance for them because I didn't really want to like, I just wanted to freelance because I wanted that freedom. And then I kind of like started not to like freelance that much. So I just became full time. Um, for me, like there's, when you're a freelancer, you're the one sending all the emails. You're the one going to every meeting, reaching out for everything, like client relations, like all that kind of stuff. And I found that I was only designing probably at most 40% of my time. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's like, it's cool to say I was a freelancer because I was like my own boss. But now where I have like an agency that I'm the lead designer for, I'm literally designing at least 90% of my time. And that for me is like, that's what I want to do. Like kind of had to push the ego to the side, you know, like being a freelancer is like doper. Like it's cooler to say that and you have more freedom, but it's like, what are you really doing with your time? You know? Mm. And for me, it's like, I think I meant to do more than just like go to meetings and like do client relations. Right. And I want to utilize that skill set as much as I can. So that was the main thing. Like it was fun, but I just feel like I needed to use my time a little bit more wisely. Yeah. When you realize that time is your biggest asset, you start to look at the world a little differently. hundred percent. It's just, it's just how it is, man. I don't know. It's, it's really cool. The, uh, the other thing I want, so how did you end up like meeting the butterfly, like were wanting to join social butterflies? Instagram. Instagram. No way. I met them all through Instagram, but kind of like the revised, like the short story of it is Brandon just like followed me on Instagram a couple years ago. He just, I was like super into photography back then, like had never done graphic design. So he just followed me for like the photos. And then I was in Duluth at the time going to school and he came up for like some, it was like a yacht party or something. And so he came up for that and I was like friends with the owner. So then I met him there and then we just kind of talked back and forth. And then I got into graphic design, which is when he actually kind of needed me for stuff. So then occasionally he would just call me up during college and be like, yo, like I have this design project, like I'll pay you for it. Like, are you down to do it? I was like, yeah. So we did that back and forth a couple of times. And then like in my last semester, I get a call from him about this whole Gary V situation. And I was like, all right. Like that was like, as I said earlier, I write down goals for everything, like three months, six month, year. So I had a five year goal to work with Gary V that I set like eight months before this happened. And then once that happened, I actually got a design for Gary and like meet him and stuff. When was that? Was that for the, that was last August. Okay. So Rochester. was that for uh get me Gary V? Yep. Okay. Cool. So I, I just designed all the ads and stuff for that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was when I kind of was like, dang, like freelancing is nice, but I kind of started to build a, a more relationship with the butterfly. You know, I was like, this is like cooler than just getting a paycheck. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. this is both of our dreams coming together and we're like collabing with our own skill set to make this happen. So I started to think of it kind of seriously after that and kind of like, I'll extend this story. So I had a, a huge goal to move to Portland. Like that was like my thing. Why, like, why do you like Portland? Well, so as I said earlier, I moved around a lot and yeah. like, I just love moving. I get just sick of places. Like I was so sick of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Eight years here, ready to move. Yeah. At this time when I made this decision, it was like five years in. I was like, dude, <laughs> I'm over it. So I made this decision like in sophomore year of college and like everyone that knows me, like I talked about it probably like every week of college. I was like, yeah, I just can't wait to get done. Move out to out West. Like, cause I was into photography at that time. And obviously Oregon has some pretty scenic areas. And so in hindsight, I looked back 
and I didn't realize that that whole entire dream of me moving had nothing to do with Portland, but everything to do with like the environment, you know, and like taking photos. But then I get into design and I stuck with that dream of like moving to Portland, even though like my goal in life changed. So I ended up moving to Portland the day after the Gary V event, because I had this planned out like before the Gary V event. I was like, I'm moving August 4th, worked it out with this roommate I met out there. So then I do this Gary V event and the next day I'm like scheduled to move out. So I moved out and I got out there and I was like, damn, dude, like I just accomplished a five-year goal of mine in eight months with some people that are becoming my best friends. And then I just moved across country the next day and I was still freelancing for social butterfly, but it just wasn't the same. And butterfly wasn't the only reason I moved back, but it was like playing a huge role in why I started to think that way. Mm. So I only ended up living there. It was a unique situation. I was only, I was on the end of a lease, so I didn't sign anything. So I had two months to like, before I signed. So I like got out of there before I had to sign because I was having these thoughts and I was just thinking like, wow, dude, I had so much potential with the connections I made in Minneapolis, started working for Gary V, started doing all this cool stuff. And I just kind of left to start over. And once I got out there, I realized that that goal of moving out there was based on my love for photography, which I no longer had because I was fully designed by this point. And like, I still have my camera, but I just don't take photos that much. Mm. So yeah, it was an interesting situation. It was, uh, something probably that I'm most grateful for in my whole entire life because I, the first week I was out there, like it was cool. I was like, yeah, this is great. Like I love it. Second week I was out there. I was like really hitting a low. I was like, dude, I just messed up. I think like I just made this decision that was based on an old goal, but I never like revised my plan. And so I just learned so much about myself and what I truly want in life and what I think I'm capable of. And so that whole move, like, just taught me so much. So I moved back, like, a month later. Damn. And it was, like, the best decision ever. Like, now, like, obviously, like, living out west is a little bit more desirable, a little bit more fun. A little warmer. Yeah. But I realized, like, the biggest thing I realized when I moved out there was, like I said earlier, don't die wondering. Like, life isn't about just doing what's the most fun, you know? Like, life's not about doing what's the most desirable or easy or beneficial at that time. It's about living a fulfilling life and challenging yourself. And I feel like I I learned that a lot when I moved out there. And I learned, I was like, I don't know. I kind of, not that I took the easy route, because like 99% of kids wouldn't move out right after college across country to somewhere they don't know a single person. But in my mind, it kind of was the easy route because it was like, Oh, I'm just going to start over and like just wing it and like this live a fun, fun life. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's not about having a fun life. Mm-hmm. Like it's really not like I have fun doing what I love and it's because it's fulfilling, you know? And, and that was the main thing I learned is just, I can have fun, but do fulfilling things. I don't have to move somewhere. That's like a vacation and just mm. forget about fulfilling my life dream. Mm. Yep. Uh, one of the quotes that I love, I love, hey, we're sharing quotes today. Uh, it's a whole it. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Into the wild. Uh, the oh, final quote on there is happy, the best or happiness is found when shared. Yeah. Uh, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly it. You you moved towards Port- to Portland and you, you lost what you had built with so many other people and you were sharing mm-hmm. these wins together. And granted, you probably could have gone to Portland. You probably would have found some wins and made a name for yourself and done great in Portland. 
but those relationships that you had built in, a, in only a short period of time, you found meaning and value and or in losing that was um, you had more negative to, to losing that than to trying to set in your, your own trailblazing path in Portland. Yeah. And I feel like for me, the biggest thing was like, so as of the past, like six months, I've, I've become kind of obsessed with like the idea of like starving your ego, like do mm-hmm. things that like most of us, myself included, like I still struggle with this, but most of us do things that fuel our ego. You know, like we do things that make us feel good about ourselves, which is naturally like that's obviously appealing, but I've learned that like starving your ego, doing things that don't benefit you directly, but benefit others. Like that's what it's really about and kind of building up other people's dreams and helping them on that path is going to impact you more than you could ever imagine. Why do you think that is? Why do you think like we always talk about it? Like why or like the giving and service of others, why do you think that's so rewarding? Because I agree with you. Totally agree with you. But I'm wondering, like, why? Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't really have a exact answer for that. But I just, I, I just think that, like, when we achieve things for ourselves, so if I, like, for example, this Floyd Mayweather thing. Yeah. Biggest gig of my life. Like, <laughs> anyone at my job knows, like, so I had done, I had worked on it for, like, two weeks and I couldn't say a word about it for like three months because like the event wasn't happening for three months. And it was like a private event. So I would just like, could not shut up about this event. I was like, I cannot wait to post this. Like can't wait for everyone to know. Cause it's just like a big point for me. And I feel like it's a point where now I have more leverage. But then the second that I like that event cleared, not that I don't care about it anymore, but it's just like, yeah, it's over. Like I did it. It's cool. I like to say that I did it, but now there's nothing that, I don't know. Not that I'm not grateful for it, but I don't get any current happiness. Like, oh yeah, I worked for Floyd Mayweather. Like I'm not still inspired by that. And I think that's where like helping other people is like when you're doing something for yourself, once you finish that task, it's kind of over, you know, mm-hmm. like you've, you've, you've achieved it. Like it's accomplished. And then you just move on to the next thing. You're like, all right, well, what's next? Whereas when you help someone else, I feel like that's something that doesn't go away. Where it's like, oh, I helped this person, like, talk themselves out of suicide. It's like you're never going to forget that. And that's never going to not hit you in a personal way, I feel like. So I feel like that's, like, my reasoning about why helping people is so beneficial. That's well said. That's really well said. Really well said. I like that. And kind of winged that, but I'm glad it turned out well. Yeah, <laughs> you thought through it, and it was beautiful. And to like compare it to what we're doing, um, people are are saying or ask us what is your goal, and we respond, we want to be the number one podcast in the world. And they and then they're saying, so what can you do to get there right now? And what like what are these statistical? What are the goals? Like, what, what are, are the steps? These, what are the steps? These statistical achievements that you can reach, um, and. We just tell them we're working on trying to provide value through conversation with all walks of life, and it's going to impact one person, which will lead to the next person. It's that slow grassroots movement, and it's all rooted on helping others find fulfillment, help uh, helping others see that their passion is really awesome and you, they should continue to uh, fight for it and all these different variations in between. So we don't, it, when we get to the number one podcast, we're not gonna be like, Oh, we've won. That's not like, yeah. that's not our goal is to get there because we want to be the best us's. But yep. really the, the purpose of it is to 
continue to be ourselves and work that path because that's what's in reality the most fulfilling and that's exactly what you're sharing yeah like once you get to that point whatever that goal is number one podcast in the world like that's the start that's not the end yes. you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's right all right now i have this platform to do all these things that got me to this point you know because like that passion your like desire to help people is what keeps you recording every week, you know? Mm -hmm. So then once you get to that point where some people would think they've made it, that's when you can best utilize what got you there, yeah. you know? And it's bottomless, the people that you can help, which is crazy. Yeah. And not only is it beneficial for the people that come on, that get to speak their thoughts into existence and speak what they want to do into existence. That's what we found, like, pretty eye-opening to us is when we bring on someone who's like, in the midst of their hustle, not necessarily here to talk about what they've already hustled on. Yeah. Um, it's really cool to see their progression, their, like their brain just working. Um, and that helps like me out a ton. Like yeah. I get to sit here and ask questions and those kind of things can help me to become a better person. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's so cool about like running your own brand or project or something that you care about because it's that mirror mentality. Like you're looking, you're, you're waking up every single day and you're, you're looking in the mirror and whatever you got is what you show to the world. And Andrew and I were talking about this the other day and we were like, all right, how do we make this podcast bigger? Like it's the mirror mentality. Like, do we need a bigger mirror? It's like, no, we just, we just need to be better people. We just need to be more vibrant. We need to be, we need to be more, we need to be better versions of ourselves every single day in order to project that onto others. Yeah. It's crazy. That's what it's all about, man. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the more it all goes back to this philosophy stuff dude like yeah. <laughs> the more that you look in yourself and know what you want the more that you're able to help people get what they want in life you know what i mean yeah and, and it's like i meet people nowadays and i meet people that have never thought about anything deep in their life like ever and i challenge them to think about real stuff that's m maybe not fun to think about but then I can literally see them change as people over the next six months or whatever it is because they look at themselves, they look within and they start to see that, like you said, what's in you can also be projected outwards to other people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, that's like where people just like with social media, people just look at other people's lives so much and like they don't think about their own lives and they wonder why their own lives aren't what they want it to be, but they're not thinking about their own lives. They're thinking about how they can live someone else's life. They're comparing themselves, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel it. Yes. And one way that we love to do that with our guests is by asking the question, what's your average quality? And this is a question that kind of throws people off at times because they're like, what, what do you mean my average quality? Because people look at strengths and weaknesses, but they're never looking at what's in between. So I'm curious, Ian, what is your average quality? Um, I would say for me... So like I'm always trying to be better. Like I, I'm obsessed with like reading and like when I like I said, when I listen to podcasts, it has to be like self help. Like I have to like learn something that's gonna directly benefit me. And so one thing I've learned from like many successful people I've read about and learned from is that they all have like a routine. Like that's like such a pivotal point, it seems like for everyone. And that's something that I'm very average at because I'll go like a month, like really good routine, like just killing it. But then the next month, I just won't stick with it. And I think for me, it's because I'm like, I'm artistic, but I'm not like a full-blown like artist. You know what I mean? Like I think so much marketing and I think so much about life in general that it's hard for me to stay in one routine 
when my life is changing so much, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I had a challenge with my roommate. We did, there was a bunch of stuff in the challenge, but the main piece was go to the gym every day by 5 a.m. That's right. You, you and Brandon, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually won that look. Yeah, you did. But, uh, so that for me, it was a struggle. I did it, but I was sacrificing certain things I didn't want to because the gym, like it's definitely beneficial to go to the gym, obviously, but waking up at 5 a.m. as a creative, I'm hitting my flow state sometimes at like midnight and I need like seven hours of sleep to be my best. So I would have to cut off like my flow state just to like stick true to going to the gym, which I don't personally care about that much. Like it's good for the body for sure. But if I was being honest, I would rather work on my art, you know? Yeah. And so that's where I run into issues with like having a set routine. Cause it's like, well, some nights I'll work till four on a design now, I don't want to stick to my routine of waking up at five. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I value like getting my sleep and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I would say that's something I'm working towards, like trying to trying to manage that better, but not quite there yet. I really appreciate that answer. And that's a spot on exactly why we asked this question. It's because your average qualities are really thing, are things that you care about deeply that you just haven't been able to get over that hump mm-hmm. of getting becoming making it almost your strength. And we had um, Alexis Walsko on the podcast and her and she was like fighting us on the average quality thing. And I did the timestamp took us 12 minutes to from the time we asked her to the time we finally like got the answer. got the answer. Yeah, got the right answer because yeah. she was just so in denial of it. So in denial. And we finally like walked her through our intentions of asking this. And she was like, my running, I suck at running. Like, that's not my average quality. I'm really bad at it, but I want to be better. And I'm just bad at it. I'm like, no, that's your average quality. Yeah, because. You, you granted you might not be great at it you might not be the, like better than half of the world at it that doesn't that's not where we're ranking your it's average not numeric it. or it's empirical not, exactly it's more something that you want to make something into your strength or you want to care you care about so deeply that you're going to try to improve at it mm-hmm. and amen to you ian because that is a perfect answer all right so i got a question going off your routine yeah you plan out your next month what do you want your ideal routine day what's an ideal day for ian So for me, going back to like the, my main issue with the routine is like the timing of it. Cause Mm -hmm. like I said, if I'm up late, I don't want to sacrifice my seven hours of sleep. Cause like then that throws everything off. And so I like to think of a routine, like an ideal routine for me is not based on time. It's based on like the activities that I do. So like right now I have, I call them like daily anchors. It's just a couple things that are simple tasks that I make a point to try to do every day. So, for example, like spend 10 minutes outside, read for 20 minutes, meditate, write. Like those are like some my my four main anchors. So basically what that does for me is if I have a bad day, whether I'm in a bad mood or I'm very stressed or like things are just going wrong, if I can achieve those anchors, then that day's not a loss. You know, like that mm-hmm. day is like yeah, I still did like all these four key like values that I pride myself on like these four things that are going to help me be a better person. So then in practicality, you never have a bad day. If you do all those anchors, like you could have the worst day ever, but it's like you still did the things that mean most to you. And so for me, that's how I kind of like to think about a routine less of, all right, 5am do this then 6am do this. Cause that is regimented. Yeah. So it's more just core values. And so going into this next month, like you were saying, I always try to just get better and like do more as far as like reading and learning and like meditating 
but just because it's nice outside, I want to spend more time outside than I have been. And I've, I've spent some time outside, obviously, recently, but I want to make it like just a big part of my day. Because living in Minnesota, you obviously don't get that for six months of the year. So I would say that and then just keep keep learning. Because I feel like lately I've been learning through books and just like listening to podcasts. But I haven't been learning as much about my craft specifically. Because like I said earlier, I don't really I don't really go on YouTube ever. Like I, All my friends give me so much crap for this. Like I don't like videos like... I don't watch any movies, like, I don't watch any TV, like, anything like that. And so that's something I want to get better at, utilizing that in a good way. So maybe setting a daily goal to watch one new tutorial on design. Mm -hmm. Because right now I'm just not doing that, and I feel like if I was doing that, I'd be a lot better. What if you did something more where you're learning through experience? Like so you, you mix in a uh, a Quentin Tarantino movie, yeah. Because I, I and I know that's quite the time commitment because that's a three hour <laughs> flick. So maybe we start with someone a little bit a little shorter. But those are like artistic crafts that uh, I think are it's pure genius in in a sense of the way they're trying to tell a story. Yeah, and for me, like like you said, kind of learning from experience. One of my anchors I didn't talk about is just create art. Like every mm. day, even if it's like five minutes, just some bad like sketch of something like if i can just get something out there like i might not complete it that day but i come back to it like a month later mm -hmm. and it could be like one of my best projects and so surprisingly that is one of my hardest anchors to achieve right on. because for me sometimes i'm just like i'm just if i have other things to do and i'm like stressed out about stuff sometimes i just can't get in that creative mode mm -hmm. right like if if i'm doing stuff for work where i need to do that I can't like offset that and just work on like fun stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, maybe you find an experience that is you're curious enough about, or that you really want to do. And from that, you're going to learn something. So Joe Rogan always uses a great example of yoga. He mm -hmm. loves yoga because he's not good at it and he loves, but he loves kind of the mental state and yeah. you know, hot yoga. There's all kinds of stuff he talks about, but what he says is, he it challenges him and he because he's not good at it and then from that he learns more about himself that he then uses in his career yeah. and other things so maybe finding something out there it could be anything that you're like oh i've never tried that before but i want to try it and yeah. you go out and just commit yourself to it for however long and just see what you learn yeah i love learning, that mindset learning because, from experience yeah i mean as i'm sure you've heard and know from personal experience everything good happens outside of your comfort zone you yeah. know like every pivotal moment in my life, literally that Portland situation, like debatably the most pivotal moment of my life. And it was, I'd say the most uncomfortable moment of my life, mm -hmm. you know, just because I was at, like, I'm someone that I'm pretty like level headed. Like I know what I want. I don't, I don't really get in internal conflicts with like my desires and how I'm living my life versus how I want to live my life. I usually live my life like exactly how I want to. And that was the biggest moment where I was like, this is not what I want. Like I thought I wanted this and I don't want this. And so I was just so uncomfortable with that inner conflict and just led to something so much greater. Mm -hmm. It's freaking awesome. Man. And you might've already shared the answer to this next question, uh, but it's something that you carry around in your back pocket when pressure becomes stress and anxiety is rising and you carry it and you, you bring it out and you're, it helps you overcome these situations. So Ian, what's in your back pocket? I would say for me, um, my combination of positivity passion but also like realness because 
a lot of people that I know are either pessimistic or they're like blindly optimistic where they just aren't realistic, you know, yeah. like they're just like, Oh, everything's perfect. Like I'm going to be happy all the time, which is it's just not the case. Like I'm very, very positive and like, I will find the positive in every single situation, but I don't ignore the, the reality of it, you the know? Blatant, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that combined with my passion is something that it's really helped me get through like everything. And it's nice. something that I feel like a lot of people have one or the other, but not many people can like grab from all those areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very similar. Like I am relentlessly positive from, and I try and find positives in everything. What like people always ask me, like, how do you do that? And I never really know how to explain it to them. Like, how do you just look for positives when like bad shit happens and stuff? Like, is it just the mindset? I, cause that's kind of how I feel about it. But I wanted to ask you for me, um, kind of goes back to like when I started getting into philosophy and stuff, cause I just realized, like I said, that, that quote, don't die wondering really hit me. And I just came to terms with like, to be honest, when I was younger, like I was like, I don't know. I went through stages. Like I was definitely sad for a while. Like when I was younger and I don't even know why, like we're all sad. Just like in middle school, I was in the card. (laughs) I was sad in like middle school for like a span of like a year or two. And then I started getting into these like deep philosophical kind of conversations with myself. And I realized no matter what situation happens, there's a good side and there's a bad side. I can look at the bad side all I want. It's going to be way easier. It's going to be way more obvious what's negative about it. But then if I were to die tomorrow, my last day would have sucked. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas like if, if I spent a little bit more time trying to find out, okay, what's good about this? Like, what can I learn from this? Then that, if that was my last day, I would have dealt with a bad situation, but I would have still been happy. And I feel like for me, that's the biggest thing is cause like, I just, I want to be happy more than anything. Like that's, I love my work. I love what I do. And everyone always tells me I need to like chill out and like take a break. But it's like, they just don't understand that that is what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Like going back to fulfillment, like doing projects that make me feel fulfilled, no matter how much I work to do that, that's what's going to make me happy, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, I feel like, that's kind of my answer to that question. Okay, sweet. So we're talking happiness. Um, who, what person would you want to see on this podcast that would make you happy? Um, <laughs> I don't know about, let's see. We don't have to say happy, but just like if you were to listen to this con- our conversation with this person, you'd be like, okay, sweet. That's a, I that's think, a dope podcast. I think uh, talking to the Brodsky twins. Yes. You know about them, oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that they'd be cool because they have a unique situation, obviously, and they're they're kind of in the same position where they took the less popular route, you know, like they mm-hmm. they went off the the main path, and I feel like they have a lot of insight they could bring. So yeah, I feel like that'd be cool. And they're so different. Uh, Sam is super like business oriented, and Ben yeah. is just like a creative monster. Yeah. Which yeah, so that'd be interesting because it'd be like a duo podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're working on getting a, a fourth mic, and they're probably the first people we'd have on. Yeah. It'd be a great kickstart. Once start. we get that, Absolutely. yeah. It'd be a great one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've hammered you now for questions for over an hour. We want to open the, the door for you to ask us any questions. Um, I guess my main question is, like, who's your favorite person you've had on the podcast? Mm. That's kind of putting you on the spot. Mm-hmm. You can just name a few, though, like. Absolutely. Uh, I had my brother on the podcast um, last year, 
and he's got an awesome story been through a lot of ups and downs in his life and really trying to find intention every day uh, currently and I just loved having him like shit sit, sit down for an hour and talk about him and yeah. you know that was just one of those cool moments where it was just like really personal um, that was a small win for sure and then other ones that I've loved have been uh, ex-coaches that we've had on from St. Thomas uh, that was sweet. Yeah, those have been really rewarding because they've shaped Declan and I t- together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to listen to a really good one, uh, marketing intern spotlight number 40, Coach Wally Kaczynski. He was our defensive coordinator. Was that recently? Yeah. Brandon was just telling me about that, <laughs> about how it was like, cool that you got him on there. And yeah. you kind of got vulnerable with some of the Very. things you talked about. Yeah, because I think just going off that podcast real quick, um, him in particular just never really knew the impact that he's had on his players. Mm-hmm. And so when he was able to sit down with two guys who've been on the, hit the scout team for three, four years, yeah, like we really got to unpack and say, hey, man, like the glory and everything that we got from that program did not really come from the field. It came from the things that you talked about and the experiences that we had with each other. Yeah. And we just wanted to say thank you. It's pretty much what the whole podcast was. That's awesome, dude. Um, Another great one that's going back kind of into the archives, season two, episode six. It's over a year ago, two years ago. Um, Shad Ireland. This dude, this dude was the first ever um, Ironman. He completed an Ironman on dialysis. So he was told he was going to die two different times in his life when he was 16, when he was like 22, 23. And he was like pretty much lying on the couch one day, could barely move and was watching this Ironman. And he got super inspired, and at the age of 31, he became a professional triathlete. And he probably us, thought, "Don't die wondering." He, he seriously was laying on that couch and was like, "Damn, if they're right, if I do die tomorrow, like I laid on my couch yeah. and just didn't do what I wanted." Yeah, mm-hmm. those awesome. are yeah, those are some really good ones for the for the people listening yeah. for the first time. Those are some great ones to get after. Season three, episode one, TJ Lavin. Uh, a childhood i just watch. i like i didn't get through all of it Mm because i was like at work but i listened like half that today okay when you get to the back half you're gonna start laughing pretty heavily is it it funny it's really funny (laughs) we 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 challenge him to get we challenge him to see if andrew could get on the challenge which is great his response is phenomenal his response is phenomenal but people like that are like ones that you didn't think were possible and you got them on your show those are awesome uh and there's many more to come We're, we're excited about the guests in the works that uh we're, we're not going to release right now, but we're working tirelessly. Hold that. Yeah, yes. hold that. I mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but to play off that, um, do you have any other questions? I'm good, man. One final question for you, Ian. What did you learn today from the moment that you woke up to when we're having this conversation? Um, let's see. The moment I woke up, I don't know. Today I just thought a lot about because like I said to you earlier, I've never been on a podcast. I've never really – like people that know me personally, I'm like I do not hold back anything. Like I will say anything like obviously not anything like negative but like anything that is vulnerable you know and I feel like I've learned about myself today that although it's a little bit less comfortable to do that to the open public I think that that's something that I need to do more I I agree man you were an incredible conversation I I loved every second of it and it's you're really good with words and articulating your thoughts like you, I'm that surprised needs you to say be... that because I like I don't think I've I think I've spoken in front of a camera like one time ever. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even want to look at it. Like, Does this feel like you're on camera though? No, it doesn't really. Yeah. But for me, like if I was talking about anything besides like deep life stuff, like I would be in a different mindset. Right. Like for me, that's where I'm like, mm. I don't want to hold anything back. Like I just want to be real. I want to be authentic and I want to just help people. So I like that, man. That's, 
that's kind of what we try and get at and maybe that's why we're why it works is we really just tailor the podcast to whoever's coming on. Like whatever yeah. you want to talk about is what we'll talk about. That's how you're going to get people to talk. <laughs> like if you had like a hundred questions lined up, I would have been way more quiet, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Cause it's just like, then that's you depicting the conversation, you mm, know? That's us painting the story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ian. That's a wrap. Of course. Thanks for having me guys. Coast in my heart, right where I meant to from the start. It's so much warmer than the secrets you've been holding in. And don't you look at me sideways with those eyes. Always acting like you ain't got the time. I can't imagine trying to carry what you hold inside. But ooh, you got a reason to sing. And ooh, you're finally listening. Cause you can't hold on to what's inside